Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to Anchored in Hope with Father Larry Richards on July, January 25th, 2024. And it's good to have you after not being here last week. Um, I think I am absolutely convinced. I just told Mo, my director, that every time you go on vacation, it should be like if a new semester when you come back from, um, you know, from like when you were in college and all the past is gone. You get to start anew. You don't have anything because ever since I came back, I haven't had a moment to sit yet. And I have a meeting tonight with our board, joy, joy, joy. And I have someone after this, and I've had all day doing things and um, finished my laundry today, which was good too from everything this past week. I put five pounds on in one week. Five, five pounds in one week. Can you imagine? Because I ate three meals a day, which I normally don't do. I went out for all those things and... um, but now we're back, and I'm me just trying to catch up with everything that uh, I've had to do and how I got to do. So, again, I just want to sit there and uh, welcome everybody. And the first thing we need to do is pray. In your Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Father, you are the God of the universe, and you created us to love us to be with us, and for us to be with you. You rejoice in seeing us live, because that's why you gave us life. Help us, Father, to focus on you, to live in you, to live life fully for the reason you created us, to love you and to love our neighbor. We beg you these things, Holy Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good St. Joseph, pray for us. And the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Well, again, welcome, everybody. Oh, I am, um, again, tired, getting ready to uh, get everything in gear here. So today I want to really focus on, while I was on uh, re, uh, retreat, vacation, Someone called me and they said, so what do you do? One of my friends, what are you doing? What does Father Larry Richards do on vacation? And my response was, nothing. And uh, he goes, oh. And I, that's really what I did. I, I slept in to like 6 o'clock in the morning. I uh, would wake up, do my whole hour and say mass. Then I would go out to breakfast, which was always a good treat, even though in San Diego, California, breakfast is very expensive. I even went to IHOP there thinking, okay, it'll be, it'll be cheaper. 30 bucks just for me. Why? You know, I really like the crepes. They have these uh, berry crepes, and I got uh, berry crepes with the bacon and the eggs. and not, So I, when I get eggs, I always like them over easy or over medium, and then I always need toast, you know, to dip it in. Well, so it, toast didn't come. What does this have to do with anything? I'm just telling you. So toast didn't come with it, so I ordered uh, you know, an extra piece of toast or two pieces of toast, a side of toast. And when I got the bill, it was 30 bucks with the tip. And I'm thinking, huh? So I went down, do you know how much that side of toast was? $4.95 for two slices of white bread. You can buy a whole loaf for that. It was IHOP for goodness sakes. Uh, Anyway, so uh, uh, I had breakfast every day. Then I would go to the art museum or something like that. I would walk along the beach every day. And what a great blessing uh, to be walking on the beach, to listening to the, um, um, to the waves. And then um, I'd go to lunch, um, come back, take a nap. I was going to work on my book. And all you supposed to, people were supposed to be praying for the book. And when I opened up my uh, computer... It has uh, something on there, but I can't get into it, you know. So I didn't work at all in my book all week, nothing. So I was like, okay, God, here you go. And so then I'd go out to dinner, and I would uh, go to bed early by 8 o'clock and uh, just to get myself refreshed. 
And so, but on a Sunday, I decided I would go to Mass at the local parish because I was saying Mass privately every day. And so I thought I should go, and I'll just go, uh, not dressed as a priest, but just go sit in the congregation because um, I think it's important for us priests to remember what it is to walk into a church unknown, to sit there, to see how the people are with you, to see how people see the priest, because sometimes we're, oh, I'm a priest, and I will celebrate, and I will do all these things, which is fantastically okay, but sometimes it's good for us to see the way you guys see us and see the parish, and I was like, oh, dear. So I really want to talk about what it is to be a Catholic and what it means to go to Mass, and what it means to be a member of a parish, huh? Because, again, I've been thinking about this for a while, because uh, uh, of all the changes that are happening in our diocese and everything else, and uh, I just think it's important that we come back to what the Mass is about. First of all, of course, Mass is about worship of Almighty God, huh? Uh, of course, that's what it is about, Um but it isn't only about that, because if we go back to the first Mass, when Jesus sits there and he's uh, saying, this is my body, uh, he's giving us his very self, it's the sacrifice, but at that Mass, he also sits there and says, all people know you're my disciples because you love one another. This is my commandment that you love one another. He gets on his knees and he washes the apostles' feet and show what I have done so you must do. And so sometimes we forget. We just want the Mass to be, it's just me and Jesus, me and Jesus, me and Jesus, the hell with everybody else literally for some people, instead of I'm here with Jesus to worship him as a member of his body, all these people around me are my brothers and sisters, and together we worship to almighty God. So it isn't a private thing. You should be having a daily private conversation with God every day. You should be worshiping him uh, privately every day. But on Sunday, the Lord's Day, is communal worship, where we all come together as his family, where we love God, we love one another. Huh? i never forget when I was a newly ordained priest, uh, again, 34 years ago at Our Lady of Peace Church. And I used to have the youth mass, and the youth mass was at 4.30 in the afternoon at Our Lady of Peace in Erie, PA. And the church held like about 1,200 people. So we didn't have that many people that came to that mass, so we would close off. The, it's like a, not in a, it's like in a round, but more like a semicircle, I guess. And so we'd um, block off the side pews. Huh? And so one day, and I used to greet people before mass in those days. I learned not to do that because people <laughs> put me, can put me in a mood. Anyway, so this old man come walking by, and he start yelling at me which again, with my personality, that's not the best way to have a conversation with me. And he said, Father, yes. He said, you know, you close those side pews down. I go, yes, sir. We do that so you can get to know some other people here in the church. I don't come to go to church to get to know other people. I say, well, sir, we want you to get to know other people so you can love them. I don't come to church to love other people. I said, well, sir, you're going to hell. <laughs> Do you think I meant that with all my heart? It just, whenever we make this thing about just God and me, and we sit there and think Jesus never did that. He always made it about us. So whenever we make our worship of God a private thing only, we try to, we separate ourselves from the very body of Christ. It's always us. Now, of course, we have, and we'll talk about this, a personal relationship. It is a personal thing, but this personal thing between God and me always includes my brothers and sisters. That's why we sing together. That's why we pray together. That's why we say the Lord's Prayer together. That's why you can't just sit at home and just say, it's just me and Jesus, and I'm just going to pray here to uh, Mary of the Pillow. Nope. It's about community. So, we come to church to worship God and to learn from God what we must do. So, uh, we got to listen to him while we're there. We got to listen to his readings. We got to be transformed by Almighty God. And we got to love other people, huh? 
And so here I am, a brand new person in the community, walked into the church. It was an early mass, so I understand. <laughs> They're usually the more quieter ones. But they sang and everything else. Of course, nobody greeted me. No one said hi to me. Nobody said anything. And I uh, can be very uh, introverted when I go to things I don't know. And if I'd have walked in there as a priest, it would have been different. Oh, Father, da-da-da. But I just walked in there as a man. And... Um, all the people that were around me, you know, some would participate, some didn't participate at all. They were in their own little world. And this is all part of life, huh? Um, most didn't give to the collection. So I'm hoping most of them gave uh, by internet because more and more people can do that now. Uh, the people that left right at communion, there's all kinds of stuff. And I just thought, I wouldn't be Catholic because where is the community? Where is the us loving God together and giving of all of ourselves? Huh? Years ago, when I was a young priest too, I was listening to a priest give a talk. And he talked about this kid who was leaving the Catholic Church and he was 18 or 19 years old. And so the, the parents of the kid, they were very Catholic, invited uh, this priest over to dinner. At the end of the dinner, everybody left except for the kid, who 19-year-old man, and the priest. And so the kid looked at him and says, yeah, I know why you're here. You're trying to keep me in the faith. And he goes, no, I'm not trying to do anything. I just want to talk to you about it. So he says, okay. And so he says to the boy, um, why are you leaving the Catholic Church? Do you have problems with the, the Pope? Oh, no, this is when John Paul was Pope. He said, oh, no, I love the Pope, uh, I think he speaks the word of God. No. He says, do you have problems with the Eucharist? He goes, no, Jesus said, this is my body, this is my blood. Jesus isn't a liar. Of course I believe in the Eucharist. Oh. He said, do you have problems with the Blessed Mother? Oh, no, the boy said. It's Jesus' mother, she's Jesus' mother, and she's my mother. Oh. <laughs> so the priest just looked at him and says, I, I don't get it. Then why are you leaving the Catholic Church? And he said to Father, he said, Father, I have went to Mass every week for 18 years, 19 years, whatever it is. And never once did I feel loved there. Hmm. What an indictment on all of us, priests, people. Jesus said, all people will know you're my disciples because you love one another. And so the main place that Christians, Catholics, come together and we're in force once a week is at Mass. So if Jesus, who is God, said, all people know you're my disciples because you love one another, that should be most evident when we gather once a week. huh? And if it's not, then what does that say about us? Does it People think that if I love other people, I will love God less. And I think that uh, some people think that today because the Pope really talks about loving other people. And uh, they think, well, so, sure, we have to love other people, but what about God? And it's never either or. It's always both and. I must love God and I must love other people. Huh? And um, when... Uh, there's a writing, you know, St. Augustine talked about it, and I don't know if I talked about it here. I know I talked about it in one of the homilies at Mass on a Sunday a couple weeks ago. But he says the first commandment is that we love God. That's the first commandment, and that's the commandment we have to preach. But the way that commandment is proven is through loving our neighbor. St. Augustine said this centuries ago. That And John said the same thing, the apostle. He says, if you love God who you... If you say you love God who you cannot see and yet you hate your neighbor who you can see, you are a liar. That we can never separate our love of God and our love from one, for one another. Can't be done. And so when we go to Mass and we try to do that, it's against the God of the universe because God is love, right? And so the Mass must be the most loving place where we together love God and we love, to, we love one another while we're there. 
And if you love God, you don't want to go in and out as fast as possible. If you love God, you want to spend time with him, right? It's just as simple as it is. The more you love God, the more time you want to spend with him. Just like if you love your spouse, you want to spend more time with them. That's all. And so those who go to mass and just want to go in, get their vitamin pill Jesus and walk out, they don't know God. Is that a judgment? Yes, it's a judgment. I don't say an individual people. I'm just saying in general. If you're in love, you want to spend time. If you're just in it for, okay, I don't want to go to hell. I better get this communion because they said if I don't eat his flesh and drink his blood, I will be separated from him forever. So I'll go in, get my communion wafer, and then I'll walk out and do what the heck I want. Even like at my parish, which is a phenomenal parish, I sat there for four weeks, well, three and a half weeks of Advent. And I focused on everyone here must, must do something to build up the body of Christ. You must. And I said, everyone here have to put this thing in to say what they're going to do for Jesus. I don't think a third of the parish did it. And I preached on it every week. I talked about if they didn't have a chance to do it for Christmas, there's 12 days of Christmas. You can do it. They listen to me every week one ear out the other, a lot of people just want to, it's just me and Jesus, I'm here, I don't want to go to hell, shut up, I don't want to deal with this, no, I'm not going to give my life for God in the parish, no, I'm not going to build up the parish, I have things to do. But you get how that's not being a member of the body of Christ. That every gift you and I have been given is to build up his body, not just to build up our money, not just to build up our family, not to just build up our ego, but to build up his body, to proclaim the captive, the liberty to captives, to, to uh, proclaim the gospel to all nations. You must do. I must do. It got to be more than going to Mass on Sunday if you're going to call yourself a follower of Jesus. And it must be more than following commandments if you're going to truly be a disciple of Jesus. It must cost you your life and how you live it every single day. You will not be saved by just going to Mass on Sunday and getting your card stamp so you can go live your life as you want to live to be saved you have to be a disciple and a disciple means that you no longer live that Jesus Christ lives inside of you that you have surrendered your life completely and fully to God that you have one purpose in life to live God's holy will period comma end of all paragraphs and that is proven, he says, you will know my commandment to you is that you love one another. So that we're called then to give up our lives every day for another human being and our families. And that's where it all begins. But it got to be more, huh? We sat there and I was with uh, Dr. Ray. We filmed the 14th year uh, this past Thursday, uh, Tuesday, yeah, the day after I came back, Tuesday. Father, Dr. Ray came in, you know, and we have on Saturday night on EWTN on Eastern uh, time at 10 p.m. And then it shows a couple other times called Living Right with Dr. Ray. And it's Dr. Ray Garendi, those who don't know, who's a psychologist, a family psychologist. And so we've been on together at EWTN. I'm still on there for the last four, 13 years. And we just filmed... Um, uh, the year 14 we did 14 episodes and they're all filmed at my parish and then I always take them out to dinner I mean to lunch afterwards and uh, somehow they were talking about how they wanted somebody was talking about how they want to die and so um, Dr. Ray says well I want to know and I want to be very prepared for it is and they were all talking about different things and and I have to of course put my two cents in I says I just want to be in God's will huh so if he takes me during the night while I'm sleeping or whatever, if I have to, whatever it is, I just want to be in the perfect will of God, that I am living God's will every day. So when the time comes and he calls me home, uh, I can hear, well done, good and faithful servant, because I'm doing what he wants me to do. So I was just, again, thinking about, uh, is that really where all of us are at? And again, I can get that we're not all there, of course. But that gotta be where we wanna be. 
And I think that what my own parishioners, I was so disappointed that some of them don't even want to be on that track to be doing what God wants them to do. And that's my own parish. And my people are fantastic people. You know, I just, I've been there 22 years and we just got a thing from the diocese on uh, Tuesday or yesterday asking, you know, they're making all these changes as we have talked about before. And so what do I want to do? What's my personal uh, desire? And I says, I've been with these people for 22 years. I've become a father to them. And uh, I've been with them in good times and in bad. I've baptized their kids. I've buried them. I've married them. I've anointed them. I just want to continue to be their father as long as I am doing active ministry as a pastor, parish priest. And we're a family. But as a family, we all got to contribute. It isn't just me doing stuff for the parish. We are not, as I think that too many Catholics think as the church now, we are a country club. So I will go and find the place that will give me what I want. And I'll give them some money, of course, because you have to pay to belong to a country club. But don't ask me anything else. Don't ask me to do things. As a country club, I just go, I pay my money, and you fill my needs. And that's not the church of Jesus Christ. Not even close. So I really want you to think about what kind of Catholic are you? Are you one that goes to church to give back to God? You know, again, the people that sit there and say, I left the Catholic church, why? Because I wasn't being fed. You miserable, selfish individual, you. It wasn't about you going to church for you to be fed. You were fed with the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. You go to church to worship him and to learn what he wants you to do. And then you do it. Huh? And again, do I live this perfectly? Of course not. Do I want to live it perfectly? With all my heart. It's just the way it is. Of course I do. And I just think that... Um, We all got to be on that same page, that we all are doing what God wants us to do, and we want to use our talents for God and build up his body, and we want to truly worship God as we must. You know, again, if you ever listen to my uh, talk on the Mass explained, I go all the way back to, oh, it's been about 15 years ago, and one of my, uh, I ain't going to call him my kid, he was a kid I knew, he's a priest now, um, but he was being ordained in Rome, and my classmate, Father Nick Rao, who's now the vicar general, um, he wasn't back then, so we could still be friends. Now it's hard to be friends because he's my vicar general, so uh, it's, it, it, anyway, it's a different reality now. But So in those days, uh, we went to Rome, and we were there, and he vested, uh, uh, it was that time uh, uh, Father Rich was being made a deacon, and while we were over there, while Father uh, Rao was over there because he, was, uh, he studied there, got a degree there, most uh, bishops are ones that studied in Rome because it's who you know in the church even still to this day. Not always. Francis has changed that a lot, but some of the people like my classmate who was just ordained a bishop, a Kalamazoo fantastic guy, he spent five years in Rome, so that's, again, where you're seen. And so when Rome's making a decision about who bishop should be, oh, we know this one, so we'll make him bishop, beside the point. So he, said, he used to be, while he was over there, he would take care and have mass for the, the uh, Mother Teresa's uh, sisters. So again, we go there, and it's early in the morning. We have to take a bus uh, a bus to the train, take the train, we get there. Mother opens the door. It's still dark out. It's October. And um, while we're over there, we're walking through, and here's these nuns chopping wood and carrying. They didn't have running water. They had those old spigots outside. Remember those things? And filling up their kettles and putting them on the fire that they just made from chopping the wood, and that's how they would um, clean their clothes every day. And they were still smiling from ear to ear, all these uh, sisters, and so we get into the chapel, and we get into the chapel, 
you got to take off your shoes. So it was the first time that uh, I ever had to take off my shoes to say Mass. But why do you take off your shoes before you go into the chapel? Because it's holy ground. And so we took off our shoes, we walked in there, and all the nuns were kneeling there, so there was no chairs in there, of course, except for two chairs for the priests that were going to be there because we're soft. But the nuns knelt on the solid wood floor on their knees the whole Mass. Anyway, we go there, and uh, in the back, in the sacristy, same thing I have in my church, it says, O priest of God, pray this Mass as if it was your first Mass. Pray this Mass as if it was your last Mass. Pray this Mass as if it was your only Mass. And I love to tell people when I do a mission, people of God, when you come to Mass today and you're entering in, pray this Mass as if it was your first Mass. Pray this Mass as if it was your last Mass, because it could be. Pray this Mass as if it was your only Mass. huh? Because... What will it cost Jesus to have Mass for you and me this time, every time we go to Mass? It costs him his life. What must it cost us to go to Mass? It must cost us our life, or it's an insult to God, right? So we go in there, we have Mass, and while um, this is before I was a speaker, uh, Father Nick said the main thing, and they didn't know me from Adam. And um, so it had to be, oh my gosh, 15 years ago, I guess, 20 years ago. Anyway, who oh am I? Anyway, so the, um, what are they doing while he's picking on me? Because he's preaching and he's picking on me. They were laughing. Why? Because Jesus says in John chapter 15, that all this I have told you is so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Again, at Mass on Sunday, we should be joyful people. We should not look like we're constipated. And a lot of people look like they're constipated when they go to Mass on Sunday. I'm just saying. I'm not making any judgment. I'm just saying. But we need to be filled with joy. And these nuns were laughing. And then uh, we continue on with Mass. And as we continue on with Mass, Father Nick holds up Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. And those nuns that were laughing at me and being very real fell on their faces. Why? Because Jesus was there. You see, you can be both at the same time. You can be joyful, you can be loving, and you can worship with all your heart. You can, and you should. Then afterwards, we go over and the sisters made us breakfast. So there's myself and the other priest there, and the mother superior comes at this table, and she sits right here. And after we're done, there was an apple on the table, and I wasn't feeling good, so... Uh, but she says, Father, would you like an apple? I go, no, no, thank you, sister. And she says, Father Nick, would you like an apple? And he goes, oh, yes, thank you, sister. And so it's right there. I mean, you don't have that far to go. But she says, oh, Father, you don't like the skin on that apple, do you? And he goes, well, not really. Well, let me peel it for you. So here's the mother superior peeling the apple and handing Father Nick each piece of unpeeled, unpeeled apple so he could eat it like he was the pharaoh <laughs> he always goes crazy when i tell this story anyway but so as i'm sitting there i'm getting mad at my classmate because i'm sitting there thinking nick you can cut your own apple and eat your own apple you have what sister doing that for you for that's what i'm thinking i didn't say anything of course but behind her was a saying from mother Teresa. And she, it says, the fruit of silence is prayer. The fruit of prayer is faith. The fruit of pray, faith is love. The fruit of love is service. The way you can tell that prayer is real from Mass is that you become a person of service after Mass. The way you can tell the fruit of prayer is real at Mass is you become a servant after Mass. And so, what does that mean? That when we go to Mass, we must be transformed into what? Into Jesus, right? Because we receive his precious body and blood. And again, we don't receive a dead piece of the body and blood of Jesus. We receive the resurrected Lord. And so, I no longer live. Jesus lives inside of me. Jesus is the incarnation of love. He is love on earth in a bodily form. So when Jesus lives inside of you and me, we become love on earth in a bodily form. 
huh? Because of Jesus, not because of us. So to make real isn't I come back and I'm just more judgmental of everybody and all these great sinners in the world. I come back and I'm more loving of everybody because the God of love lives inside of me. And again, in our personality, you're not going to become this ultra gentle tiptoe through the tulips person, but you'll become more other centered. The fruit of all our masses should be, we become more loving. If we become more judgmental, if we become more harsh, we're not receiving truly the God of the universe with the faith that's necessary. Huh? With all this stuff we were talking, uh, they, they had some stuff against the Pope again a couple weeks ago, and it was good, solid Catholics. Um, and they just sat there, and they have, um, you know, Herodias sitting on the lap of Herod, and instead of... Uh, John calling them brood of vipers. There's Francis calling him, calling him to mercy. And so he said, see how, you know, it was making a statement against Francis and against mercy. You got to remember that John Paul, I mean that uh, the Baptist was before Christ. It was before Christ paid the penalty for sin. So everything was still justice. Everything was still justice because Christ had not paid for this penalty of all of our sins. And so Jesus did the same type thing. He yelled, but it wasn't interesting that Jesus yelled at the opposite people. He didn't yell at the people caught in adultery. He yelled at the people that judged the people caught in adultery. So hopefully we don't become more like John the Baptist or anybody in the Old Testament. We become more like Jesus. Now, John the Baptist was fantastic. There's no man born of woman greater than John the Baptist. And yet Jesus says the least born into the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. Why? Because John the Baptist didn't have Jesus Christ living inside of him. We do. And every time we go to Mass, that's reinforced. So, Mass must cost us everything, must cost us our lives. It's a time of true worship. But the way I prove that I have truly worshipped and encountered God is I become a person of love and service afterwards. If the fruit of my life isn't love and service, then i got to go back to think, am I really doing at Mass, praying at Mass, being at Mass, being a Catholic the way I'm supposed to? Got it? Get it? You're going to live it. <laughs> May each of you know his love today and forever. Amen. Okay, well, thanks for being with me for this first half hour. Now we're going to go and say hi to every here. But I wanted to start with one of the questions that came in because I had to go look it up um, from a guy named John. It just says, hi. He says, I've been reading a book on Christian history about the Reformation. It seems that the Pope of that time, Leo X, issued a document called Exerge Domini, in which he approves of the burning of heretics. I assume that this is not the official teaching of the church today. That'd be a good assumption. However, if Catholics believe in the authority of the Pope and his teachings, why is it not the official teaching of the church now? Doesn't the change of this teaching undermine the authority of the Pope? I appreciate your feedback. So I had to go look it up because I had never heard that before. And so... Um, when I did look it up, um, and it's again called uh, da, 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 Exerge Domine, E-X-S-U-R-G-E, and then Domine, D-O-M-I-N-E. And it was written by Leo X, but I didn't find anything there where it uh, talked about burning the heretics, but it does call Luther and anybody that follows him a heretic, and it calls for excommunication. Severe excommunication is what it says. Now, again, this I just read this right before, but I didn't see that. But um, when it comes to ex cathedra teaching, which is the official teaching of the church, and when the Pope speaks things, so official teaching he cannot have error in. He can have error in judgment and all that stuff. So even when I talk about Francis and I talk about he needs to be respected and loved, it doesn't mean you have to agree with everything that comes out of his mouth, but it does mean that you have to be respectful. 
He himself calls himself a sinner. He himself says uh, that uh, he doesn't know everything. And uh, I just love that, you know, he just called, uh, if you was reading, you know, of course, the, the Catholic groups and that won't say the good stuff about him, but he called for this 2024, the year 2024 to be the year of prayer, to pro in next year's holy year. But he asked us all to have a whole year that we just pray. Every apostle said sinful things and did sinful things. Peter, of course, denied Christ. That was not official teaching of the church, to deny Christ. But when he still spoke as Pope, it still made a humongous difference. They still listened to him. So again, it doesn't say, we have to, everything that is an official teaching of the church. Again, I'll have to look at that uh, bowl and read it carefully. I just looked at all the summaries, and now the summaries that I saw online talked about burning the heretics. But again, it doesn't mean it doesn't say it. It just means that I haven't seen it. That even on Wikipedia, it didn't come out. And I would think if it talked about burning heretics, Wikipedia would jump on that immediately. But I didn't see it. So I'll have to look at it some more because it, it really piqued my interest uh, when I saw that. But again, uh, we can disagree with people, uh, but be respectful and loving. It's when we call them the Antichrist and everything else is when all that goes to the door. Okay, blessed feast, the conversion of St. Paul. You got it, Harry. It's fantastic. The lady is crazy. Well, you're back with us. Good to see you. Uh, blessings to all. Hi, Donna. You as well, Donna, Donna. Thank you. Good afternoon from California. Hello, everybody. Happy New Year. Uh, I think St. Paul would have been a great double-glazing salesman. Ship director in Malta on his way to trial, bitten by a snake and still converse with the locals. That's for darn sure. Did you get the rest you needed? Yep, it was worth it. Um, got to see good friends of mine out there. I only went out once uh, with good friends. I was going to go elsewhere, but things didn't work out. So the Lord was, wanted me to do nothing for seven days. It drove me crazy to tell you the truth. I'm not used to doing nothing. That's why I took books and that out, but God had another plan. So anyway, it's good. Michael, hello. How about having a sister on as a guest? That would be very interesting. I don't think we're going to ever have guests on Reason for Our Hope. Uh, uh, we're going to have guests on uh, the, uh, the other thing. It'll, be, it'll always and only be guests, the Estovir, but it'll be interesting to have a sister on as a guest there about what it means, what she would think it means to be a man. Um, sister uh, uh, Regina, uh, Regina Marie, who's a sister of the Sacred Heart Sisters down as she's Carmelite, she used to be the head of all the conservative sisters in the United States, but I had her come once to speak to the men's conference or to the women's conference, but I saw her at a men's conference once, and she was fantastic about what it is, speaking to men, what it is to be a man. It was fantastic. Okay, come to my place. Toast is free. Eggs come from my friend's chickens. I'll even cook you in the wood burner. Good job, Harry. If I ever get back over there, we'll see. Again, uh, we just only have a, like uh, 10 more, 11 more spots opening open for our trip to um, Poland in the, uh, in the fall, in September. So if you're interested in going on that trip, you got to sign up ASAP. There's going to be one bus, and uh, uh, we just got all the, the stuff to fly over to Krakow. We're flying in and out of to Krakow. Uh, from Cleveland, for those who are here, but no matter where you live throughout the world, Australia, whatever, you can get, they'll get you a plane flight to Krakow, and then uh, we're going to have a fine time there. So I encourage you, if you want to come, do it ASAP. Okay. Uh, Father Larry, some priests, when they fill in for you, say the Alleluia for daily Mass, and some don't. You normally don't. What's the rationale? I'm a hands. Because you're not supposed to say the Alleluia. You're supposed to sing the Alleluia. It's like saying happy birthday, right? So you don't go, uh, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, dear so-and-so, happy birthday to you. It should be happy birthday to you. And so the Alleluia, the Alleluia is a sung reality. So to say it, it's kind of uh, defeats the purpose. That's why I don't say it during the day. Good afternoon. Welcome back. Thank you. Hi, Father Larry. I'm praying for priests. Thank you. 
I find the chronic health conditions lead me to thinking about myself, my experience, my suffering rather than God. How can I use my health? I suffer from seizures for the greater glory of God. Exactly. You got to say, Lord, I offer up all this, but don't even do it because God's glory, he's going to survive. Trust me. Offer it for the conversion of other people. Offer it for other people who are suffering. And because that's what Jesus did on the cross. He offered up his suffering, his death for our salvation. So when we imitate him and he lives inside of us, do the same thing. And then even in the middle of suffering, you can have joy. Okay. Uh, Father, can I ask my deceased husband to pray for me even though I don't know if he's in heaven? Sure, it can't hurt you now, can it? Because even if they're in purgatory, they can still pray for you. They just can't pray for themselves. I was in San Diego last week and was hoping to meet you, but I didn't know there. that's where you were staying. Yes, I don't tell people when I go on the road. Um, the reason is because when I, I, when I get away, I got to get away. You know, Jesus... He would go, and there's people needed healed, but he'd go and say, I got to get, I got to spend the night in prayer. He'd go and say, we got to go to other places. So when I am at a place and I'm on vacation, I get away. So I usually don't uh, meet up with people. I usually uh, won't go and say mass anywhere because then I got to be on. And I'm on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So when I have seven days out of the year when I can get and get away, and breathe, I need to do that. That's why I don't tell people where I'm going. Um, even though as soon as I got off the plane, a, um, some guy came up to me, and he says, Father Larry, thanks for all you do. And I said, well, thank you. Who are you? He just says, I'm a fan, and he walked away. <laughs> uh, so it's hard for me to go anywhere, especially if I have my clerics on without running into people. And, and I don't mind that at all. I love to greet people when I'm on the road. Um, Absolutely, and I have no problems taking questions and everything else, but when I go on vacation on purpose, uh, I'll go and just be there. Now, if someone comes up to me and says, aren't you Father Larry? Of course, and we'll talk and da-da-da. But I don't tell people, so I don't have to get involved in any kind of ministry while I'm away. Now, again, that's a selfish reality, is it not? sounds like you're talking about opposite things, Father. No, because since I do ministry 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that I need time to to refresh. I call it a time of refreshment so that as God fills me with himself, then I can go and give myself more uh, when I'm back home. It takes time for me to do that. But again, it's just reality. But that's why I never say specifically where I'm going so people come looking for me. It does get discouraging. Thank you for discussing this from the way you, the way you give us hope. Thank you, Trevor. Father Larry, thank you for constantly helping me understand how beautiful, amazing our faith is. Uh, daily God is manifest. He is. Bruce, Father Larry, I want to share encouragement started during a Holy Hour. I can't go back only forward. This has made a huge difference in my life. Good. Holy Hours are fantastic. We have coming up on February the 25th of this year, next month. Uh, it's going to be our 20th anniversary of our Perpetual Adoration Chapel in Erie, Pennsylvania. And the whole diocese, we're the only ones. Now, again, as I have talked about before, nobody pays any attention. They report to the bishop everything I say that, because uh, there are people at watch just to do that, believe it or not, because they have. But anyway, but so we've had perpetual adoration for 20 years. We're in the middle of this extraordinary three-year celebration of Jesus in the most blessed sacrament. Never once have they mentioned us as uh, the only place that has adoration, never once, and yet we're all about this, and we've been doing it for 20 years, but no, 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 that's not important, because they don't like my theology, they don't like me, whatever it is, but it isn't anything to do with me, it has everything to do with my parish, and it has everything to do about Jesus, right, so we're going to be sending them stuff, and see if they publish anything about uh, our celebration of our 20th anniversary of worshiping Jesus Christ, uh, Oh, I'll tell you. Anyway, but y y you can see, I, uh, I just say things whether I think I'm through or not. That's the problem that gets me in trouble. I know. Well, very good, Bruce. Please pray for my prayers, pray, priest, of course. Uh, please pray for, for conversion of all my family. I am sorry. Me too. Jack, being at Mass is like being at the top of a mountain. My problem is what I think 
and do when I come down from that mountain. Isn't it true for all of us? That's why, again, sometimes, well, what am I supposed to do? God's holy will. So I get that at the top of the mountain. Now I'm called to give my life away to others. Uh, and again, it's how do we do that? How am I called to give away my life? Father, help me with my temptations of lust. You're going to have temptations with lust all the days of your life. Don't think about yourself. Huh? I'm going to tell you how to do it. Not just with temptations with lust, but all temptation. We go back to Jesus. Jesus taught us how to deal with temptation. So don't look at anybody else. Just look at Jesus. How did Jesus deal with temptation? One, he knew who he was because his temptation in the desert came after Mark chapter 1, verse 11. What happened in Mark chapter 1, verse 11? Jesus is baptized. What happened at the baptism? God the Father told him who he was. You are my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. You must know that you are God's son, you are God's daughter, he loves you, and he's pleased with you. And that's, again, as I've talked about before, the devil knows our name, but he calls us by our sin. God knows our sin, but he calls us by our name. What do you call yourself? Do you call yourself, I'm just a lustful person? Shame on you. Don't you ever call yourself anything like that. You are a son or daughter of God who struggles with lust. Put it in the context that God does. Never label yourself by your sin. Label yourself the way God labels you. Beloved son, beloved daughter. So first, to deal with temptation, know who you are. Two, know who lives inside of you. When Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit in his humanity came and dwelt in him. And then it says, the Spirit led him into the desert to be tempted by Satan. You do not have to deal with temptation alone. The spirit of the living God, God, the creator, his spirit lives inside of you and me. So the spirit, another name for the spirit is dynamite, if you will. It's the dynamite of God who lives inside of you. Do you think God is more strong than a devil or your temptation? Say, yes, father. Yes, father, because he is. You're not doing it. You're not just a weak sinner. You have God inside of you. So one, know who you are. I am a beloved child of God. Two, know the power of God that lives inside of you, the Holy Spirit. Three, when Jesus was tempted by Satan, how did he respond to him? Do, 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 do. He took the holy word of God and he shoved it down the devil's throat. And the devil ran. So whatever your temptation is, whether it's lust, whether it's greed, whether it's judgment, whether it's pride, put into Google uh, scriptures that help the, uh, go, the help against lust or help against pride or help against fear, fill in the blank, and then memorize one or two of them. And every time you're tempted, take that memorized verse and shove it down the devil's throat. And the devil, because the word of God isn't just like a word. The word of God is Jesus himself. So it has the power to completely destroy Satan. So know who you are. I am a beloved child of God. Know who lives within you, the spirit of God, the dynamite of God, the power of God, and then know his holy word. And when you're tempted, take the word that you have memorized and shove it down the devil's throat and the devil will run. Okay? So do as I tell you. Don't just say, well, that's a, ah, just do as I tell you. Name yourself. I am a beloved son. I am a beloved daughter of God. He loves me and he's pleased with me. Know that the spirit of the living God lives inside of you and memorize the word of God. So when the devil comes and starts tempting you, you shove it down his throat and he will run. Promise. You can do this. Don't focus on you and your weakness. Focus on God and his power who lives inside of you. Okay. So let's go on. Father Barron has talked how St. Thomas Aquinas would have to readily agree that heretics were to be burned. There are teachings by the church that can be changed over time. I, again, did not see uh, that either, Chris, but I'd have to, I'd have to <laughs> look it up. I don't know. Hello, Father Larry and everyone. I have to watch this and rewind it later tonight. Sorry I'm missing it now. My lifelong best friend is here from out of state. 
So uh, we're visiting today. Good. You can watch anytime now. Hi, Father. Hi, Andy. Going to Poland in August, where my dad was from. Very good. Father Larry eagles our Father's prayers and divine prayers and his teachings. Amen. Danielle, um, uh, MSAP officer just died from his injuries after being struck by an intoxicated driver. I'm very sorry to hear that. Oh, my. Oh, my. Sorry to hear that. And we pray for him that God would give him eternal life. Huh? Galatians 5.16. What is that, Jack? Galatians 5.16. Galatians. Live by the Spirit, and you will certainly not gratify the desire of the flesh. Very good, Jack. And again, a great example of that is... Um, St. Augustine, remember St. Augustine, St. Augustine, or Augustine is what some people call him. I used to always call him Augustine, and they said, no, it's Augustine, whatever it is. Um, he didn't want to give up lust. If you ever read his, ten, you know, his book, it's fantastic, his, uh, you know, it's the confessions, and he sits here and says, he used to pray to God, make me pure, but not yet, right? Because he loved his lust. He loved the woman he lived with. He loved impurity. He had a child out of wedlock. All those things that we would condemn him for, but he becomes one of the greatest uh, saints in the church. But anyway, the way that finally changed him is he didn't have the desire even to change. But then he hears one day, take and read, take and read, and, out, and he's out in the courtyard, and there's a Bible there, not the way we would see a Bible today, but there's a Bible there, and he picks it up, and he reads it, and it says, I think it's from Romans, that no longer shall you live in lust, da 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 da, da. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no uh, uh, provisions for the, the, the desires of the flesh. Instantly, he was set free. The Word of God has great power. It's not a history book we're reading. We're reading God himself. The Word of God is Jesus Christ. So, get to know it. Memorize it. Let your life be transformed by it. And when you're tempted, shove it down the devil's throat. There you go. Was thinking of coming to 2232 Men's Conference. Is there adoration? Um, uh, Thursday, I can't remember the date. Adoration was, of course, 24 hours at our place. Bruce, and of course, we have uh, the first Thursday of the month, we have adoration. So I don't remember the date of the 2232's conference. I know it's in March. I thought it was February, but it is in March. Anyway, I got to get out of here. Um, so again, thanks everybody for coming and being with me this week. Uh, God willing, we'll be here again next week. Yes, I got, we start DME a uh, couple weeks. I don't know when it is, but again, know that I'm praying for you, that I love you. And I ask you to please pray for me that I only do God's holy will. Thank you. God bless you.